We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. 4-1 winners. Newcastle were at Fulham yesterday. What a day. You've got myself, Alex, Charlotte and Si with me in the studio. We've got Norman from his home in the east of England. And uh, you were at the game, Norman, yesterday. So we're going to ask you about what it was like to be in that away end, an away end which is already kind of being heralded as one of the best in recent memory. Before I ask Norman that, just a reminder to everyone, we're on Patreon. We do about six day extra of these podcasts every single week. You can listen to them on whatever podcast platform you like to listen to. Um, come and join us. Eight pounds a month, two quid a week, and it uh, keeps this podcast going as well. And you get these shows advertisement free. Now I'm done with that, Norman. Uh, really, really keen to hear about just what the experience of watching Newcastle United absolutely demolish sixth place at the time of kickoff Fulham was like from the away, mate. How was it for you? Spectacular. It was an absolutely spectacular day. Brilliant day. The entirety of it was fantastic. So the trains obviously were on strike. So I had to rely on getting a lift into London. And um, Chris and Lynn Knight helpfully, very kindly picked me up in Colchester at 9.30 in the morning. We um, parked up in Stratford, public transport across to Hammersmith, met up with a great group of people in the Hop Pools, the pub's called just outside of Hammersmith Station, a beautiful pub. Obviously, now that I, I no longer live in London, I'm at that stage where when I order a drink, I'm getting shocked by the price of it, whereas having lived in London 12 years prior, it was just second nature. I've never even thought about it, but now I've been away long enough to realise that, oh my God, the price of a pint in West London is outrageous. However, I didn't let that spoil me, dear. I still drank a couple, so there you go. It's <laughs> more about me um, than anything else. But watch the... Got to watch the North London Derby in a, a lovely pub, as I say, with fantastic people. Everyone was buzzing. I think the general consensus was would win. The fact that Fulham were missing Palinia for me meant that I think we had a better chance straight away in terms of when we heard that Bruno was back, especially. I thought we'd dominate in the midfield. Um, and I, the, the, the consensus in general was that would win. And as, as we saw the day panned out fantastically, I think when the team lineup was announced, obviously we'll go into that. I think there was maybe a little bit of a, oh, hold on a second. Maybe this won't be as straightforward as we think it is. Um, how little do we know about football compared to anyhow it turned out? But um, a, a brilliant day that the away end itself, more or less from the off, was was buoyant. I, I think it was one of those where the team just came out straight away and obviously created a chance very early on. That lifted the crowd. Plenty of drinking had been done, I, I guess. And it was a, a fantastic atmosphere all the way through. Singing more or less didn't stop. It obviously helps when you're banging in goals left, right and centre and you're in complete control of the game. But ultimately, a brilliant atmosphere and the feeling at the end of the final, at the end there, the final whistle was just an, 
a huge, I felt a huge amount of optimism coursing its way through the fans. And I guess for many people, it was topped off by exiting the stadium in the little cottage at, at Craven Cottage, where, you know, the, the sort of, let's call them dignitaries, get housed during the game. Um, there was a Amanda Stavely, um, the bloke with the really shiny teeth and tan. Um, is it Ruben? He was there. And um, the legend that is the Messiah himself. Um, where's your next Messiah? And Deck. Well, Declan Donnelly was also <laughs> so many people got a real buzz out of that. And all in all, just a, a truly brilliant, memorable away day, and one that I got the impression could very much kickstart the season. It almost had like that. that I feel like Craven Cottage now for us, Norman, is like. Do you remember that that last game under Rafa, that that end of season? It was Ooh. just, it was just the most amazing day. It just, it had, it felt like that for me. Like, and I wasn't even there; I was just watching it. But it, it felt the the happiness, the the away end was just amazing. It was absolutely joyous, and you're right. The feeling, it's interesting because the feeling with the four 0 win over Fulham, as joyous as it was, it did very much feel like the the end of an era, yeah. the last era of Rafa. Yeah. Whereas this particular win yesterday felt almost, and I know we've had many results under how that have been fantastic, many performances, but this felt like a real kickstart moment. Whereas the, the Rafa one was, it was almost like a celebration of the end of, you know, a couple of years under a manager that we really loved. This yesterday felt to me like, hold on a second, this is a team who's all of a sudden made belief in us finishing the top eight has just returned like, like massively. And I reckon a few people around me felt like that as well. And Craven Cottage itself is just, because Fulham are such a lovely club, right? The fans are, I mean, they didn't sing once yesterday. They're just nice, right? And nice people um, in general. So you just kind of, you tend to sort of dominate the whole arena. Um, and Craven Cottage, I love it. I love the fact it's an old-fashioned ground. It's far too small for away fans in terms of the facilities, toilets and all that, but it's still great. And what they have done, one disappointing thing is that new stand, which, by the way, looks it looks spectacular, the new stand. It really does. A bit weird when you've only got one kind of section of it filled yesterday. Um, but... It's blocked the view of the river, which is devastating because obviously, you know, in days gone by, especially uh, the Newcastle United under Sam Allardyce, if I recall, it was nice to just stare at the river longingly when you're watching some of the most turgid football on the pitch. <laughs> we don't need it anymore. We don't need to see the river anymore because we're Eddie Howe's attacking mag. So, you know what? Keep your stand. Sod the river. How are the tune? <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the context of yesterday's win, um, and, and Eddie Howe spoke about this post-game, it was a crucial game. There was, there was pressure on that game of Newcastle had gone to Fulham and the game had gone, as we were told it was going to go by many people, Fulham are a very good side, I don't think they are. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the influence of the red card and how the game might have gone otherwise, but I don't think Fulham are, just from what I've seen yesterday, a very good side. And I think we are a good side and our points total thus far uh, doesn't do our performances justice this season, but Newcastle now find, themself, find themselves uh, seventh place in the league, uh, there would have been six if Chelsea hadn't got a late winner. That, by anyone's standards, I don't care who you are, that is an excellent return after eight games, in in my opinion. And, and the likelihood is we'll stay in seventh place heading into next week's fixtures. So the start of the season thing could be put to bed. We've got a really winnable game next weekend against Brentford at home. And uh, I just think the players deserved it, the management deserved it, everyone deserved it. And the, the golfing class between the sides, we're going to talk about the red card and all that kind of stuff, but the golfing class was was massive. Fulham looked like a championship team. Newcastle United looked like a top eight Premier League team, in my opinion. And once again, in terms of you know last season and comparisons to to previous years, um, over the last four seasons before this one, uh, the soonest that we've reached um, eleven points has been November first. Um, 
in last season, it was December 27th. We are flying. One defeat in eight games, and it was a scandal of a defeat. Best defensive away record in the Premier League. Third or fourth best defensive record in the Premier League overall, um, with only Man City... Um, Man City have got a, better, a goal difference of six, and uh, Everton, funnily enough, uh, sorry, not a goal difference, goals conceded of six, Everton seven, um, and not in that, Newcastle might be joint third best, therefore, in terms of defensive record. That is a remarkable statistic. This is Newcastle United we're talking about. To be one of the best defensive teams in the league and to have been robbed out of some of the points that we have, um, I'm really, really optimistic about the direction of this season. And it just kind of shows you some of the reactions to the last couple of home games prove that you know the problems in Newcastle United had in those home games failing to win ignoring VAR were not structural problems at the football club they're just mm. kind of shit happens on the day you can't win them all and that is the first time probably in my life really supporting Newcastle United that has been the case certainly the first time in about two decades so very very promising indeed Cyan Charlotte really interested to hear from you just what you just what you think how you're feeling what a win it feels good doesn't it it, it feels incredible, and, and you're right. This was the the, um, the knife edge that would have been a, a defeat would have been a poor start of the season. But as it turns out, you, you can. Everything you said is correct. It is a great start of the season. Um, we're level on points with the team which is smashed. By the way, Fulham Fulham have got the same number of points as well. But you know, we're, we're sitting seventh, and the only teams above us are the teams you'd expect to be the top six. You know that that is great. Um, and as you correctly said, more importantly. As I think we've got less points than we deserve for the for the start of the season we've had. You know, it could have been better, but the only reason it wasn't better was because the referees mulled were at Liverpool. Um, they've, they've chalked off a perfectly good goal against Palace. You know, we should be three or four points better off. So that's why it's such a good start of the season because we we haven't um, overachieved. We've we've underachieved, um, which is like you know we're sitting there like you say all those records that we've broken, getting to eleven points by by the um, by the start of October. We've done that against the odds, against kind of the. Um, the, the, the referees against VAR and it's just it's such a, a nice place to be with a nice winnable home game coming up next you know you, you look at the fixtures ahead and yes we've got some difficult ones we've got we've got to go to Tottenham we've got to go to Man United but you don't go to those games thinking it's a free hit you go to those games thinking what's Eddie Howe going to do here mm. to try and get something out of it because you believe in it because of the performances we've put in so far yeah I, I agree I, I think it's been an incredible start to the season when we look at like some of the comments after the Bournemouth game and people saying this is relegation form. <laughs> it's like, I think I made the point that, you know, it's only relegation form if we draw every game going forward. We're not going to. And and yesterday's performance um, sort of showed exactly that. We are not going to draw or lose many games against teams in this league. It's just the attitude of the players yesterday. It was just a winner's attitude. And it was really, really, really nice to see. It's just... You know, you think back a year, <laughs> it was that awful Wolves game. They looked defeated before they'd even walked on the pitch. It is such a turnaround. It's such a turnaround. And, yeah, I just feel really happy. I'm so excited, like, all of the time <laughs> about the rest of the season. And uh, Next weekend's going to be class. Like, what momentum to take us to St. James's Park against Brentford. Um, I'm just very happy. Norman's asked a question in the chat. Uh, when was the last time we had a three-goal half-time lead? And both of us are, are struggling to come up with an answer. You know, even I think when we beat QPR 6 under the championship, it was only two at half-time. Um, I honestly don't know. Tweet us at TFNUFC. God, I don't know. Yeah, like, it's, uh, it's an interesting one, that. Um, but, yeah, what a nice feeling it must have been. And and just, just before we end part one, I suppose, 
yesterday was kind of a continuation of the revolution of Newcastle United in terms of our away form. Um, so often, uh, Newcastle United, while they were terrible for many years in the Premier League, home form's been indifferent, acceptable, average, and the away form has always been a like pile of absolute shite. This is the third game in a, in the space of a few months where, and Norman, you were at them all, um, where we've gone to Brentford, again, red card, we've gone to Norwich City, and now we've gone to um, Fulham, and it's just been the most stress-free experience uh, watching the team play away from home. Now, you could look at the relative qualities of those sides, and you can look at the red cards. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like the, it, Pre-takeover, we didn't ever get days like this. Um, you know, there might have been one or two over the years. Even if you look at Steve Bruce, and the, the the away wins at West Ham and West Brom, there was always something going to go wrong at some point in those fixtures. Whereas these games have been so serene, it's it's almost like watching a different sport. Norman, you you witnessed all three. What's it been like in person? I mean, what's it been like? Can you see the similar similarities? I what the feeling has been from more or less the first or second minute, we're going to win. Like that has just been. It's been almost um, instant. That Charlotte mentioned there how determined the players look, and that was what was clear from kickoff yesterday we just we pushed them back immediately I think I mean I didn't know if we're going to go into individual performance yet but I, what I will see is that Callum Wilson is so damned important it's untrue he was so so good from kickoff yesterday and I think with him and the team that leadership that he brings up front the fact that he is just an incredibly good player it, it, that that I think that that restored a little bit of confidence to us from an attacking perspective, and that's no obviously slight on Isak, who I think is going to be a wonderful player. No slight on the players who filled in for Callum Wilson, but I just think his experience, his his nous and his um, his leadership abilities, uh, they almost give you a confidence. You see him in the, you see him up top and the number nine shirt. You're thinking, you know what? Every time the ball goes, yeah, the box is going to panic, and that's more or less what happened from minute one. Um, Brentford and in Norwich. Again, the, the determination of the team from kickoff. You, you saw the body language of the Newcastle players and you compared it to the opposition. You think, we've got them. We've got them already. And obviously, they're sending off. Of course, it makes a big difference. But we would have won. We would have won against 11. I don't doubt it for a second. The way that we were set up yeah. yesterday, the way that they were set up, the determination that we saw. And the fear, their players look to me like they feared us. Um, and again, I'll bring another individual into it. Sven Botman, he's one of those players that when you when you see him from the away end and you see the sheer size of him, you see his movement and you see the kind of command and air that he has, you just feel confident immediately. And I think yesterday, I think those Fulham players saw us line up on the pitch and it's almost like they felt bullied from the first minute. And that's very much what happened against Norwich and against Brentford away. Of course, Norwich were a terrible side in free fall. Brentford were in poor form at that point and subsequently picked up. But Fulham are in excellent form. And, and as you see, Alex, regardless of who the opposition might be, Going away in the Premier League and swatting aside teams by at least two goals very comfortably with barely conceding a chance, right? This is the other thing. Brentford away, Norwich away, Fulham away. Chances just didn't come. Fulham's real chance, the first real chance, didn't come to, until towards the end of the game. So absolutely fantastic, mate. And I welcome those kind of away days. I want an away day where we're so comfortable that you start yawning after 60 minutes. It's that boring. That's what I want. 3-0 up. I'm a little bit bored. I'm going to yawn. Probably look up at the sky for a little bit. Maybe remove the stand here. Look at the river. That's what I want. I want so many more those days. We're going to get into uh, all of the players. Norman mentioned that right after this message from Charlotte. Remember, if you like the show without the advert and you want lots more of us four plus our True Faith colleagues, please join us on Patreon for just £8 a month. Guys, I've got something to share with you. And it's that UEFA Champions League soccer is streaming on Paramount Plus. 
Can you believe it? I couldn't when I when I read it. But it's true. Nine months of heart stopping, hold your breath exhilaration is underway. It's underway. It's probably fewer than nine months now. It's October, isn't it? Yeah. Um biggest stars, top teams, and craziest fan bases across Europe. Across the whole of Europe. Watch every match from the group stage through the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title against Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona, and more. I'm going to have to adjust this as teams get knocked out, aren't I? In soccer's soccer, biggest club competition. So don't miss a single sweat-soaked second of regulation time, stoppage time, and extra time. Stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. No need to tweet in. Uh, I've, I tweeted and lots of people are now telling me the last time we're 3-0 up in any fixture was um, 2012 West Brom away on the day we won 3-1. Wow. With, uh, ah. Scintillating front three performance. Uh, ben Arthur, Cissé, oh. Demba Barr. Um, let's talk the about... Orange Strip, was that? Orange Strip, yep. Norman's correct. Um, Sai, come on then. Let's, let's let's break down this fixture. You um, posed the question to to Charlotte and, and Norman and I pre-recording about the relevance of this victory in terms of performance, with the fact that it was against ten men. Charlotte wants to talk about this as well, but take it away, mate. Yeah, um, I think uh, on the um, instant reaction podcast that we do on Patreon, uh, just very quickly, Ben said something like, um, uh, "What did he say? He said, uh, were we really tested there?'" And it's a, it's a very good question. Um, it was, so, yes, we, we were very good, and we can get on some of the individuals and some really good performances. I'm not saying anyone played badly yesterday, but did we learn much about whether Newcastle will be improved against Brentford next week, against Manchester United two weeks away? It's hard to say. I thought Fulham was so bad, and it, maybe I'm being harsh here, but the, the game seems so easy, so easy. And Norman's right to say that I, I agree with him. We would have won that game because we were so good against eleven that the... the the sending off almost robbed us of the chance to really test ourselves and 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 give them a game with eleven v eleven. It just became so easy. Fulham was so bad and so unable to handle Newcastle United with the extra space we had with the with the one man advantage. That um, I just don't know. I, I'm I'm finding it hard to decide if that was us at our best or if it was just because it was the, the advantage was so obviously there. Now. Um, what I would say is that winning a game 4-1, regardless, will will boost confidence. You've got Miguel Almiron on the score sheet. He's a very much a confidence player. You've got Wilson back, looking very fit. You've also got the um, the added bonus that because we were 3-0 up by halftime, the manager was able to rest several key players. You know, he's able to protect Bruno. He's able to protect Wilson, who came off gutted, by the way. Yeah. I, I loved Wilson's attitude. Of, he just he didn't want to come off the pitch because there was goals in that game. Um, he was able to to kind of literally make five subs there. And completely change the team, resting and preparing players for the for the following fixture. So that's a positive. Um, so what? Yeah, I think there's a question. I'm interested to see what you guys think uh, about whether we've learned anything about our ability to to beat better teams from that performance, or was it just to enjoy it and then there's still work to be done? Um, but by but regardless of that, obviously the the things I've said it, it is a positive. Winning a game away from home, the confidence that comes from that, the confidence and the pressure that comes off you. Because there were question marks after the last two home games, um, the, 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 the pressure's away a little bit, so let, let's see what happens. I don't think it has to be either. I think it can be both. I think it can be like, we're class and that was class, um, but there's still work to be done. There's always work to be done. There has to be. 
um, you know, I think the important thing to take away from yesterday is we would have still won if even if they had 11 men on that pitch. Fulham just, Norman said it, they, they looked scared of us. They didn't know what to do with us. Um, and I think a lot of that's down to when Callum Wilson's in the side, we're a different, we're a different side, we're a different attacking side, like the, the teams are frightened of. And then the confidence that's come out of that, like the, the it's such, it's such um, an easy win. It's such a like, a, a, like breezing past Fulham that, that the confidence that's going to come out of that and, and, and propel us on for the next couple of games is, is massive. But there's always work to be done. I don't think Eddie Howe is ever going to sit back and think, well, my job here is done. Like that's that's us. We're we're as good as we're gonna get. That like why not? That sh- we should have been six seven nil. We should have won six seven nil. We conceded a goal, which we we won't really dwell on. I don't think, but that was a, it was a sloppy goal to concede. Oh, I'll, I'll be coming back to that goal. It was oh. a dis- disgraceful <laughs> goal to concede, but it's, it was it was really sloppy. That there is work to be done. We want a clean sheet. There's like, there's there's tons of work to be done, but it was an absolutely brilliant day, and I I think you know. B- incredible building blocks for us that goal just quickly Sven Botman's reaction on conceding was absolutely spectacular that's yeah who clearly wants to improve he was absolutely furious that that goal went in I love to see that you're falling away from home you concede late goal and your centre half is furious brilliant to see but I think uh, Sai I understand what you're saying in fact I had the very same discussion with um, Lennon Chris who I drove back from London with yesterday the point was how much do we learn about Newcastle United my point is that well actually Fulham, prior to playing us, not only were they above in the table, they'd also won three of the previous four and they were getting lots of plaudits. We went there and absolutely mm. slapped them. What that shows to me is that we can come off the back of a, I would say, a poor result against Bournemouth and a relatively poor performance, given how we've performed under how, you know, the entirety of 2022, basically. It shows yeah. that we can take a bad performance and just basically squash it in one hit, go away to Fulham and absolutely destroy them. A team who were, on paper, in way, way better form than us. So I think we've learned quite a lot. Actually, I've also learned that we we have maybe a little bit more strength and depth than I originally thought. I would argue that we've probably got, what, 11, a solid first 11, maybe 14 players who are, who are really, really good quality. But actually, some of other players came in yesterday, as we'll discuss, and performed really well. So I think we have learned a lot. And there isn't any magic formula, right? It's not like we're going to strike upon this formula and it's going to be that, like, ad infinitum forever. As uh, Charlotte says, We'll constantly want to evolve. That's what the best teams do. We look at Man City every year trying to improve. So the job will never be done. But what we learned yesterday was that we've got some good players, a manager who can pick up a side after a poor performance and take his team away to a side informant and destroy them. And I fully expect to see more performances like that between now and the end of the season. It's uh, it's great that we're actually looking at it and thinking, was it just, you know, it's almost like that mindset that we have because of years of being terrible. Like, Maybe it wasn't us that were that good. Maybe it was them that were really poor. No, no, that was us being good yesterday. A little bit of them being poor, but us being very good. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, Norman, again, for a, a game that you were at Newcastle played, a 10-man terrible Southampton team in 2019 and did not dominate or break Southampton down in the way that we were able to do Fulham. And Fulham, in theory, people were saying we're a better team than that Southampton side who finished about 15th. Where. So we've witnessed before, when you play 10 men, it isn't necessarily a guarantee of um, you know, of points. I thought Fulham. If I was a Fulham fan yesterday, I would not be happy. Have Everton last season as well went down to ten oh, men. Great, great points. I yeah. So did it have an impact on the game? Of course it did. Um, Newcastle were dominant for the first eight minutes. It's a bit like the red card at Brentford, which was very early in the game as well at the end of last season. When a midfielder makes another challenge on a midfielder like that, 
it's out of desperation. It's out of desperation to try and get a foothold in the game. Newcastle's midfield controlled that game yesterday, and I think would have controlled that game at at uh, 11 v 11. And, you know, it's really funny that um, the Fulham manager thinks it was only a yellow card. The guy's about 45 minutes late on long stuff. It's high, it's <laughs> reckless, it's dangerous. It's a horrible tackle, it's a leg breaker. Uh, the referee playing on was funny. It was like, we'll come back to that. Uh, we'll come back to that horror cha- challenge. And only given a yellow card, VAR, I hate it, but it worked there for us in that instance. Never f- f- from there. It was it was obvious that Newcastle were going to win. Also really important is getting that goal quickly after yeah. the red card. Uh, that really sets the tone. And, and Newcastle, were, Newcastle were excellent. They created a host of chances. You know, Callum Wilson... Uh, he holds himself to very high standards. He'll think he should have had at least a hat trick yesterday. Like you said, Sai, he was like, "You're taking me off against this lot, fucking hell, Eddie." Um, he was he was absolutely gutted because there were goals to be had. Newcastle probably on balance of play probably should have won that game by six or seven, but you can't have it all. Um, I'd like to, to get into some individual performances now. Uh, it was a good day as me and Charlotte talked and the way in for the bad lads, for the lads people don't like, for the lads that there's conversations about. Um, you know, me and Charlotte did a, a, a patron podcast on Friday night together where we take patron questions about Newcastle United and answer them. Uh, Pete Davey and, and Kyle Thompson were on with us. And one of the questions was, would you sell um, Murphy, Longstaff and Willick to, to, <laughs> Almiron. Almiron to raise funds for January? And, um, you know, I think Willock and Almiron in particular had two of their best games for Newcastle yesterday. Willock gutted to not be in the, sh- the score sheet. Hilarious Callum Wilson theft of his <laughs> his goal. Great one too, by the way. Willock plays the ball to Trippier, who crosses the ball for Willock, um, who should have probably buried the header, but it was going in. And Wilson just steals it. I love that's, it. That's the, uh, that's the kind of man Callum Wilson is. Um, but yeah, th- they were all excellent yesterday. I mean, let's start with Almiron because he's probably the most high profile of the, of the criticism. Um, you know, three goals now and one assist in, in eight fixtures is, if, if he could keep that up across the season, then it would be... A, well, he's be, your joint highest goal scorer now. Yeah, um, it would be fantastic for him, fantastic for us. The, the, it, for me, it was a bit of a surprise yesterday that he didn't start left because the absence of Fraser, the absence of ASM, so you, you're pretty much playing with your third um, choice or, you know, winger behind ignoring Almiron and potentially ignoring Isaac. Um, but he played right, and then he scores two goals with his left foot, and it kind of shows that it can work. It will be frustrating moving forward. Um, I don't know who else wants to talk about Almiron, Sai, but I think a massive difference to Almiron is Bruno. When yeah. Bruno plays with Almiron, Almiron looks so much more dangerous. It's like Bruno knows that the weight of the pass has to be a little bit different so that he can get himself in a body position to, able, to be able to hit it with his right, whereas... Um, Willock or Longstaff or someone like that just because they're not at that level Bruno is uh, you know are, are playing still very good balls which then Almiron is constantly having to try and shift the ball to get into his left he doesn't have to do that with Bruno and before I bring it inside just what a fucking goal what a fucking goal that oh, is that is just it's just filthy yeah one of the goals of the season for, for sure mm-hmm. um, I would add uh, Callum Wilson to that equation whereby I think Miggy knows what he's doing with Wilson, he knows what Wilson's going to do, he knows what runs he's going to do, they seem to be a lot more in sync, and that's not a criticism of Miggy or Isaac, they just haven't played together much, and that was really evident the previous two weeks, where Miggy's runs, and there was just no, there was no link, but yeah, Bruno's probably the, the key to that. Um, yeah, I would say for the first 20, 25 minutes, uh, I watched this with you and Ben, didn't I, Dodzy, and um, we were getting very frustrated at Miggy, for the, for the same old reasons, you know, he's making some good runs down the right, he's cutting back, he's taking too long, 
the shot's either too late or the pass is too late or or it's it's a bad cross. But my God, did he make up for it and his confidence grew through that game and by the end he looked he looked world class. Um I think what was really, really pleasing yesterday with with Bruno pulling the strings most of the time, sometimes long stuff, sometimes Willick as well, to be fair. Um, there was an obvious effort to exploit that space between the centre half and the left back. Um, I mean, the left back went off at half time. I think he was injured, but um, that that ball in between the centre half and and left back on that side every single time to Miggy. And yes, sometimes he brought it down. Sometimes he took one too touch too many. But when he's given less time to think and less time to make a decision, and he just pings it in with his left foot. My God, what 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 a goal! But yeah, um, I think. That's that's Miggy at his best. That's what he's good at, and he scored a third brilliant finish with his left foot as well. So it's that old thing of he's playing on the right and Maxi in an ideal situation on the on the left to cut in and, and shoot because they're both capable of that and they're both capable of scoring. Um, and with Bruno, with Willick, um, even if Willick's just pulling a, a man aside and, and, and occupying one of the midfielders, it was creating that space to put those balls in and to give Miggy that opportunity because everything came through there. Murphy did his own job down the left in terms of getting behind and trying his best on his left foot to, to cross the ball but it was all Miggy all all of our you know most dangerous chances came through Miggy down the right and said I can't I can't get my head around how how different a player he looks um in that team yesterday compared to the week before when he just really 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 struggled I think that's oh sorry is Norman coming in no oh no. um I think that's a testament to Eddie Howe isn't it and the, the coaching staff because lesser coaches would would find it hard to sort of boy um players after like you can get in your head psychologically you can sort of be you know and I, you know they they obviously work with these players they obviously um do a lot of work on the sort of on the mental side of it I think because it would be so easy to just sort of write like write yourself off or c- come out of games and think I'm just like I don't know. I I just think it's a massive testament to how they coach and how the belief that they have in this squad and the hope and and how different it is to to what we've had before. Almiron yesterday, I love the fact that the almost inability to use his right foot has kind of hampered him, you know, numerous (laughs) season. But the fact that he can't really use his right foot because of lack of confidence meant that he unleashed one of the most outrageous goals I've ever seen with his left foot yesterday. <laughs> Basically, if he can use his right foot, that, ball, that, that goal just doesn't happen. It was absolutely spectacular. And I don't know if um, Charlotte had a chance to listen to my reaction to it on the Match Day podcast yet, but my God, I'm, I'm in absolute disbelief. It's almost like the the evangelical presence within the squad among my Brazilian players. Yeah. And I've got Miggy involved now somehow. Miggy's in, in with the rapture as well. I became part of that rapture yesterday and converted on the spot. It was absolutely spectacular. Um, <laughs> also, just to finish off, the one-two between Almiron and Guimaraes, I mean, that was just ridiculous. One of the most ridiculous one-twos I've ever seen. You, you're looking at Miggy having the ball, like, what, 35, 40 odds out? He plays at uh, the Guimaraes, and then all of a sudden, bang, he's put it in the top, um, it's in top bins, is that I think the saying it is. Um, almost, um, you look at Miggy's goals, and you look at that goal against Crystal Palace last season as well. I mean, he's got it in his locker, right? He really has, and I'm, I'm absolutely delighted for him because regardless of whatever inefficiencies people, you know, talk about with respect to him and we've done it ourselves, he's just a lovely kid. He's a lovely kid and he clearly loves playing for Newcastle and um, how really knows what he's doing with him. So, aye, wonderful to see and an absolute pleasure to witness it in the flesh. Let's move on then. Um, you know, the, the, there's a lot of performances yesterday. I think I think Sven Botman, Norman, you've already said a little bit about, I really like Dan Byrne. I want to be his mate. He seems like a really <laughs> nice guy. Um, he's also been superb for Newcastle since he signed. He, he can clearly do a job at left back. 
but I just I need to spend bottom of the start every week. I just it, I, I feel like I'm in the presence of greatness, even if it's not there yet because he's still young and still uh, learning how to play in the Premier League. I just in five years time when he's won the Ballon d'Or three years in a row, I just <laughs> want to be like, yeah, I remember when he was just new and he, you know, every single header didn't hit the back of the net like it does because he's so unlucky not to score yesterday. It's like every time he plays, he could get a hat trick. It's yeah. it's incredible how much of a threat he is from set pieces. He, he's absolutely brilliant. The kid's world class, or, or at least looks like he's going to be world class. Yeah, Do- dominant in the air. Um, there, mm. there was several times yesterday he was just strikers were coming through with the ball and he just nicks it off them. He doesn't just, just tackle them. He gets the ball back so cleanly that he has time to then look up and pass it perfectly accurately to, to a midfielder or to, to one of the fullbacks. Now, it's just, it's the kind of defending you, 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 I can't remember the last time mm. I saw it. Florian Lejeune was sometimes good at this, but not it's a different ballpark. This is a this is a world-class footballer we've got here. Um, quickly on Dan Byrne, I thought he was excellent left back yesterday. Dan James did not know what to do with him. Dan James bags a pace. You'd think, oh, Dan Byrne might have a bit of a problem here. Nah, every single time, brick wall Dan Byrne. No chance you're not getting past me, mate. Um, the only thing you, you might say about Dan Byrne is, is can he support the winger? But I thought, whilst he didn't overlap, you're never going to see Dan Byrne overlap and get to the touchline and uh, and put a cross in. What he is good at is, is is if Murphy, and regularly this happened, runs out of space, doesn't know what to do, comes back and passes the ball. Byrne's good with his feet. He can move the ball quickly and get the ball switched. So... He's perfectly capable of playing that left-back job, and it's good competition for Matty Target, who had a relatively poor game against Bournemouth. Um, so the pair of them, there's no reason why they can't both play in the same team. And I, and I like that. I like the fact that we've now got, uh, as Norman said, there's, there's probably more depth to this squad than you realise when you start thinking about the, the, the difficult decision that Eddie Howe will have in future of who plays left-back, which of those centre-halves do you choose? And, and the same can be said about some of the performances further at the pitch. But yeah, Sven Botman, for me, you, you cannot remove him from this team after that performance. Charlotte Callum Wilson, we've touched on him, but I think we haven't done him justice, have we? I want, like, I've said this before about players, probably about him actually. I want to write poetry, I want to sing songs. Callum Wilson changes this side. We did a, a, a post match reaction on, on you, for YouTube, which I think will be up now or close Any minute, to be. Close Any minute, to be. process in HD. There we go. Um, and and we both talked about it. He, he, he transforms this side, the confidence he has in himself the ability that he has like those are just you, you cannot underestimate the difference it makes on every other player on the pitch in my opinion like it, knowing that he's there like changes how our players play I, I, I truly believe that I don't you know it. I, I'm, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic he is so good <laughs> he is so confident I love that he took that goal for himself that was definitely going in I love that he just like tapped it in with the full sole of his foot um that's he's just there's just this like number nine swagger about him that we really miss we really miss when he's not on the pitch and he was excellent yesterday when he was taken off we've touched on that he didn't want to be taken off he he was like come on let me have more goals against this lot like but I'm so excited to watch him play against Brentford. That's another game for him. He's going to score. He's going to call it M- multiple times. I'm I'm going to call that like it, it, in, at St James's against Brentford. Like I, I think he's going to get at least a brace. Like I just he's just he changes that whole game, and it was a, it was it's so exciting to watch. He terrifies defenders. Yeah, yeah. He, he causes mistakes just by always being there, always being in the right position, and then you know even if the defender gets the ball back. They make a mistake. They pass it out a bit less accurately. It goes to one of our players just because of Wilson's 
doggedness, his, his ability to just be there and, and, and be a nuisance even when he's not got the ball. But yeah, his runs are so tricky and he's always so clever. Mm-hmm. The defenders are just constantly shitting themselves like, fuck, where's Callum Wilson? Like, And it's, he's always somewhere where he can, he can cause a threat. And again, I, I would... I'd say that opens up the game for Miggy and for Willick. Mm-hmm. Willick had much better game and got much more joy in and around their box because the defenders are so worried about Wilson that they don't have to kind of... The one thing I'd say about Isak against Bournemouth is that he was, he was just marked out of the game. Um, <laughs> you cannot mark Callum Wilson out of a fo- football match. The more you mark him, the more he d- works to, to try and find space and to make it harder for them. So he was he was just unbelievable. And yet, yeah, I agree. I, I just, when he's in the team, we are, we are Champions League... F- side like we really are <laughs> so good this is Sai saying that by the way i want everyone yeah, to know that, means that he's being negative we're actually gonna win the league <laughs> <laughs> joe willock had a very very good game two assists for him very unlucky not to score i think um even though it was a lovely day and everyone had a nice time i think he goes back into that change of room and once the team photo is taken and everyone kind of you know returns to their slot on the bench to get changed willock's like hiding from callum wilson because he doesn't square it <laughs> this is before he does square it for Almoron, which is a great ball. He doesn't square it for a Wilson Tappen because he wants the goal and the keeper makes a very good save. Wilson will have been foaming with him. Uh, he was foaming with him on the pitch at the time. Yeah, but um, he did nick his goal off him literally did, the first goal yeah. he nicked. So <laughs> I think this is one. will this is how the conversation will have gone. Like yeah. exactly like that. <laughs> yeah. Um But I thought he was great yesterday and, and, and this is the problem, isn't it, for for how it's a nice problem. Willock seems to be getting better. And I'm really excited to see him play against Brentford now. Again, I think he'll score. Going to win like eight here I've, because I've attributed so many goals in advance to so many players. Almiron as well. Um, but Shelby's come back in the team, and we really, really miss Shelby against Palace and um, Bournemouth. This is the thing for Willock. It's almost like that pressure of Shelby coming back early. Shelby's training, he's running, he's taking part. Joe Linton wasn't in the team yesterday. There is going to be that competition for midfield places, and mm-hmm. I think Willock really will really want to keep his place and the only way he's going to do that is with goals and assists and he yeah. got he got two assists yesterday so it's a great it's a great start in the kind of the mini battle between those two players because you'd assume Joe Litton comes back in um such as his performances uh, his level of performance has been and it'll be between Shelby and Willock for that for that third spot Norman there's two players two of the players again who get a lot of criticism from fans some fans uh, who you want to talk about to end this show I do mean one of them ties into what you've just said there about the midfield competition. I think Shelby coming back, the fact Joe Lint was on the bench, Longstaff's in the side at the minute. That that competition, what it also means is that how we'll be able to change the team accordingly, depending on the opponent. So we've missed Shelby against Palace, we missed him against Bournemouth. Shelby wouldn't have been necessary in that game, yes, I don't think, even if they had Lemon on the pitch that that type of game. He just the the energetic midfield that we had with Longstaff, with Willigan, with Bruno Guimaraes was ideal for Fulham yesterday. Yeah. And Longstaff. I'm going to say it now. He produced a performance yesterday that was up there with the performances he produced when he broke through under Benitez. Now, looking at it in context, right? Longstaff under Benitez looked fantastic because the bar was a little bit lower than it is now, right? So Longstaff at the moment obviously doesn't look like he's as capable as Guimaraes or maybe Willock. But at the same time, he's back, in my opinion, he's getting back to that level. And it's a good level. It's a, a solid Premier League level. And his energy levels were great yesterday. He scored a goal. And I think Longstaff's got that in his locker as well. I do think he has goals in his locker. You know, you look at when he went out on loan, out on loan at Blackpool, he scored He scored a good couple of goals. He scored a good few goals for us. Um, and I'm just really pleased to see him fit, keen, and as I say, full of that that running that he's capable of. And obviously, he was the one who brought in the challenge from Chiloba early on to get the player sent off. So a brilliant day at the office for him. And obviously, the final I want to talk about is Jacob Murphy. Now, I don't think there'd have been a Newcastle fan out there yesterday who, when the team was announced, saw Jacob Murphy's 
name on there and went, oh my God, what's he doing? You know, you're looking at Joe Linden on the bench. You know, Joe Linden's turned into a brilliant midfield enforcer. But against Norwich last season, how put him up top, he banged in two goals. That could have been something he did yesterday. He could have started with Fraser. He didn't. He showed faith in Jacob Murphy. As he showed faith in Jacob Murphy from day one, he's had him involved in the squad and more or less coming off the bench in almost every game. And that faith was repaid yesterday. Yes, we know when he gets the ball, he can be a bit directionless. He's passing can be a bit laps. He sometimes struggles across. He's shooting. My God, he's the most unlucky player in the world when it comes to shooting. But you know what he did yesterday? He just ran in that pace that he's got, which is a real gift. He really utilised it, and he absolutely had... Um, was it James he was up against, I think, on this? Even because James was almost playing as a, yeah. an auxiliary, auxiliary um, wing-back at one point. They were, they were ruined. They, they, genuinely, when Jake Murphy got the ball yesterday, it put him in panic, and that was because of his pace. And that run that he made for the Fraser goal, everyone was singing about Elliot Anderson being the Jordi Maradona, which, of course, he is. Um, big shout-out to Argentina yesterday, by the way. Colaccini, Gutierrez... And Maradona all getting big songs sang about them, uh, more or less. But um, Murphy's run for that Fraser chance, he took about three players out in the centre of the park, straight through the middle. So it's good to see him. Look, is he going to be part of Newcastle in two years' time? Unlikely. Um, would he be first choice? No. But at the moment, I think he's, he's bringing something. He's obviously bringing some of that how likes, and I congratulate him for it. I'm, I'm very happy to see because he has been much maligned by pretty much all of it. So great performance for him yesterday. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I agree again. I, I was probably being quite critical of him early doors, and uh, is is he's hampered by his own ability. Uh, is he tries really hard and he, he runs really fast and he, and he works he, he works so hard and has obviously been given instructions to to you know, to you know, like stretch the player and and make those runs and and he did it very well. And you've got to you've got to acknowledge that because that opens up the game for the rest of the players. He, you know, he did his job yesterday, Jacob Murphy. Will he start if Maxi's fit? Obviously not. Um, Will he start with Ryan Fraser's fully fit? Debatable, um, albeit Fraser was Fraser's been struggling this season. Um, but yeah, I thought he did he did a very good job. Um just just going just reflecting on all of this and, and the squad depth, because yes, we've got that competition for places in midfield and the um the inclusion of Longstaff, I, I agree, Norman, he was he was very good yesterday, but I also think it, it frees up Bruno to just pull the strings and do the do the job he did yesterday of just of just creating everything um from from it from a deep position. Um Whereas against Bournemouth, Bruno was the, the deepest of the three midfielders yeah. and he was, he was almost isolated from the attacking play and, and he wasn't that creative, um, albeit it was his first game back after injury. Maybe he just needed a, a bit of time to, to get fit again. Um, so yeah, Longstaff, is, is, he's got that place there now. Uh, it's, it's his to lose. Obviously, Shelby's the competition. Joe Linton, you'd think, maybe not, if, if not for Brentford, he comes in for the Man United game because he, he offers something totally different in those <laughs> games. But um, yeah, the, the competition there is, is wonderful. What I would say is... Uh, on the on the flip side of competition is that is the substitutions we made towards the end yesterday, which were obviously about preserving fitness and preserving players. But we brought on Lascelles, we brought on um, Jamal Lewis out out the cold, and that goal we conceded was a fucking disgrace. So Lascelles, do you want to cross it in? Go on, mate. There you go. And then Lewis just just nowhere near his man and yeah. just watching him run past him and head it in like that's not a good advert for them lads getting get, getting in the team anytime soon. But you know what, Jamal Lewis hasn't kicked the football for. Like um, competitively for about two years, so maybe Eddie Howe wants to see if there's if there's anything there and and, and give him some chances. But it's um yeah, it's it's really interesting to to, to see um what happens next because Brentford at home has got the potential to play out like like a Bournemouth, like a Palace, and now we've got options to choose from because we didn't really for Bournemouth. The team picked itself against Bournemouth because of injuries. We've got options now, and I'm really really interested to see what Howe does to solve that problem of scoring goals at home. 
Can't wait for it. You'll get a full preview for patrons this week of that Brentford game uh, and lots more. We also, Charlotte's going to upload Norman's audio of his day at Fulham yesterday. So if you want to hear the goals again as they happened in the stands, join us on Patreon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks to you three for joining us. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like the show, you can do us a huge favour by uh, leaving us a, a review with a comment on whatever podcast platform you use. Back, hopefully, this week, Charlotte, with another free show with an interview. Yeah. Uh, of a journalist TBC and uh, definitely back this time next week hopefully to talk about an absolutely class win over Brentford speak to you then bye bye this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the HVAC is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.